Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andrea Cassetta! Yay! And we have a great <laughs> episode for you. I wanted to say we have a shitty episode for you, which is technically true, <laughs> but not in the way that you might think. Um, but before we get into it, we have some news and reviews. <laughs> The news is that we have a Patreon now. Um, Yay. And if you go to patreon.com slash cult podcast, you can read about all of our great tiers and the rewards that we offer for just $5 a month. You get access to our bonus show, The Speculation Zone. We also have a five-star review. Yay. So this one comes to us from Venus Valentine. And they say... I listen to a lot of podcasts about cults, and this one is incredibly well-researched, genuinely hilarious, and delves into engaging non-traditional culty subject matter like incels and Timothy Leary. Plus, the bonus podcast, The Speculation Zone, is well worth the Patreon subscription. This is the first time in podcast history that I've actually been excited about a long multi-part episode instead of finding them long-winded and tedious. Also, Armando's voice sounds like if Gene from Bob's Burgers grew up and started a comedy podcast, and I'm into it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet. Ah, uh, that's very, very sweet. Thank you so much. Um, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> and I think without any further ado, let's get into the show. Hello. 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 I was Yay. so off there. I was so off. I love it. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always, these are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Casada. Yay! Yay! And it's my week again! Woo! I'm so excited for this. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we're going to talk about all of it. We're going to talk about... Uh, masturbations we're gonna talk about wicked shits we're gonna talk about <laughs> cereal we're gonna talk about uh racism and euthanasia so much so much are we going to link to tony the tiger's only fans account no that's gonna be on the speculation zone oh okay my bad. my bad i also i love how you introduced this episode like the coolest health teacher ever we're gonna get into <laughs> masturbation into shitting into organized <laughs> systemic racism welcome to health 101 bitches this episode has everything <laughs> shitting in chairs euthanasia flakes of corn that make you shit in chairs more oh, <laughs> it's God. great this it's is so like the great. opposite of witches <laughs> i mean yeah <laughs> in a way <laughs> uh, especially because they this dude loves celibacy like so much <laughs> Yeah, I bet he wouldn't have any great opinions on Henry Cavill. <laughs> I know he'd be like, 
Seems like he's eating too much meat. <laughs> <laughs> that man needs more cornflakes. <laughs> yeah. I feel like most of his thickness is just stool stored in the abdomen. Um, <laughs> I'm too sexy for these cornflakes. Too sexy for these cornflakes. <laughs> so sexy it hurts. <laughs> And then he's just rubbing cornflakes all over his body. <laughs> it's a weird watch. If it was Henry Henry Cat, if it was Henry Cavill, I would watch the fuck out of that. By the way, <laughs> I watched him build a computer multiple times. I yeah. I don't care about building computers, and I watched it a lot because he yeah. was wearing a tank top. For more content like this, you can subscribe to Tony the Tiger's OnlyFans account. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd watch Tony the Tiger assemble a computer too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, are we ready to get into some sources? Yes. yes. All right, the first one is a lecture uh, called The Health Principles Practiced at John Harvey Kellogg's Battle Creek Sanitarium by Roman Pollack, Ph.D. Associate Professor of the Department of Nutrition Science at the College of Allied Health Sciences. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of crazy. That is a mad lib of a of an institution. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> uh, we have Dr. John Harvey Kellogg and the Religion of Biologic Living by Brian C. Wilson. We have How the Battling Kellogg Brothers Revolutionized American Breakfast, as heard on Fresh Air with Terry Gross on NPR. Uh, we have an article from HistoryToday.com called The Battle of the Cornflakes. We have an entry from the Eugenics Archive on John Harvey Kellogg. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> We've got an article from the Battle Creek Inquirer, John Harvey Kellogg, Battle Creek, Michigan Eugenics. Um, that article is actually called, uh, I think John Harvey Kellogg was wrong about eugenics. And I was like, no shit. Why are you publishing this in 2017? Everyone was wrong about eugenics. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's two sides to eugenics, and it's the right side and the wrong side. Yeah, exactly. Uh, then we also have a 2017 book, The Kellogg's, The Battling Brothers of Battle Creek by Howard Markle, which is actually very, very good. Uh, then we also have Kellogg's.com, a list of their current cereal brands, <laughs> and PostConsumerBrands.com, a list of current cereal brands as well. Are you guys ready? So ready. Try euthanasia O's, part of a healthy breakfast. <laughs> so John Harvey Kellogg was born in Tyrone, Michigan on February 26th, 1852. His parents were John Preston Kellogg and John Preston's second wife, Anne Jeanette Stanley. I'm not going to talk too much about his parents, but they were characters. They're a wild bunch who could probably have their own episode. They were Fruity Loops? Well, <laughs> we'll get to Fruit Loops at the end. Oh, no. <laughs> what a sexual cereal. <laughs> it's, it's all holes. <laughs> it's all holes. Uh, so in addition to six children from his first marriage, John Preston Kellogg had 11 additional children with his second wife, Anne, including John Harvey and his younger brother, Will Keith Kellogg. Both of those are going to be important. So he has, just so I'm, I'm, I'm understanding this right, in total, that means that John Harvey Kellogg is going to have about... 16 siblings 17 yes. children total yes that's correct Fuck, and again man. that's a count of the ones that lived through the pregnancy so, yikes yeah yeah exactly yes 
uh, which if there's anything I've learned from these past two episodes, don't have fucking 17 kids, man. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> just it fucks your kids up, I think, maybe a little yeah. bit. Also, where are you going to put them all? Because I know it's rough, man, especially out here. Yeah, dude. If I although if I if I grew up with 16 brothers and sisters, I could see why cereal would be such a good idea. It's just like, yeah, give a children chow. That's what it is, really. <laughs> that is actually going to be a like a focal point later on. Like that does become a reason. We'll get to it, but like that plays into it. He just invented child feed bags. The monster. <laughs> so John Preston Kellogg uh, was huge into revivalist movements, and he would cart his 17 children and wife to almost any revival that he could find, starting out with Baptist, then the Congregationalist Church, then finally the Seventh-day Adventists. So to start out with, Baptists are super popular around this time. They're having a ton of revivals. They still exist today. We've covered a couple groups stemming from Baptist churches. They're fairly tame as far as revivals go. Uh, con Congregationalist churches, I actually had to do a little bit of research, they're churches that believe that each individual church congregation should basically make the rules for that particular congregation. Okay. Okay, pluses and minuses. Yeah, pluses and minuses. If it's run by sane people, cool. If it's run by David Koresh, bad. You know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then finally, Seventh-day Adventists, which we covered kind of in in pretty, you know, specific detail when we did Waco and the Branch Davidians. So that's where they end up. But remember, from our episodes on Seventh-day Adventists, this is the early, early days of Seventh-day Adventism, where essentially it is centered around the world is ending right fucking now. Like, they're just past the point of setting actual dates for the world to end. They're barely past that at this huh. point. So then in your life, if you're following this, that means that it, it makes total sense where it's like nothing else matters except yes. for dealing with this big problem. Exactly. Now, John Preston Kellogg, uh, John Harvey Kellogg, and William Keith Kellogg's father, he bought into this so hard that he actually paid money to convince Ellen Gould White and her husband, James Springer White, who we covered on our episode, to relocate to Battle Creek, Michigan with their publishing business. So a little bit of a recap. Ellen Gould White was the one that would have visions that would be like, glory, 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 and then have like super strength yeah. and then pass out. <laughs> it was just yeah. wild fugue states all the time. She would just have an orgasm and then turn into the Incredible Hulk. I remember yes, her. Yes, exactly. Her. Here's the thing. That's actually a superpower that all women have. We try to keep it under wraps. <laughs> but it is a defense mechanism. <laughs> And essentially what was happening at this time is her husband was recording all of her visions where he'd be like, she's at it again. I'm going to write it down because like he's having to like transcribe and write it. Uh, and so they were then releasing and printing the details of those visions for other Seventh-day Adventists to read. They're now compiled into like anthologies and stuff now if you really want to dig into it. Some wild stuff in there. 
the next year, John Kellogg, John Preston Kellogg, senior, uh, he decided that he and his entire family needed to be closer to the whites. So he moved <laughs> all 18 of them <laughs> to Battle Creek, Michigan, where he decided that they needed a trade. They needed something to do, something to make money while they were there to support the whites and their mission. I mean, eugenics is really all about moving closer to the whites. So this makes <laughs> a lot of sense. <laughs> accurate uh so john preston kellogg established a broom factory what What? they made brooms that's not i don't know that sounds like a like a trap for if you're trying to find out where the witches are (laughs) like we'll just open a broom factory and whoever comes trying to work here will get them (laughs) I recently ordered sunscreen from a, a legitimate Native American like like wholesome remedy store, and uh, Armando made the same argument about that. Yeah, if, if they were if they were looking to poison somebody, if they were looking to poison white people, and they they could only put it in one product, put the rice in in the sunscreen. Yeah, <laughs> there's only one per- people who use it. I mean, I should use it, but if everyone should use sunscreen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Skin cancer is real. Yeah, remember, uh, I'm a dummy, so don't listen to me. <laughs> Every time I hear Broom Factory, I think of there's this one SNL sketch from 2015, and I only remember that because it's in the name of the sketch, which is Miss Trash 2015, <laughs> and it's a beauty pageant for trash people. Yes. And my sister and I send it back and forth to each other all the time. But one of the things that Kate McKinnon says in the sketch is she's just like, I donated my hair to Locks of Love and they used it to make three outdoor brooms. (laughs) And every time that's the only thing I think of, because I'm just like outdoor brooms even. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like something like a like a weird euphemism you hear in certain parts of the country. Like, hey, girl, I'm going to take you to the broom factory. (laughs) (laughs) Because because they're going to sweep you off your feet, you know. Yeah, that's what it is. Ba-doom. What I'm going to do to you is like dirtier than sweeping the ground. <laughs> I'm a total piece of shit. Oh, God. <laughs> Take you to the broom factory. <laughs> Feel this handle. You like that handle? 100% wood. That's my wood for my broom factory. If we if we turned taking someone to the broom factory into a euphemism for sex, not only would that piss these people off so bad, uh, they'd roll in their granola graves, but like... I love it. Make yeah. it happen. I wonder how much money it would take to make 50 Cent do a remix of, I'm going to take you to the broom factory. <laughs> Literally. I'll take you to the sweepy shop. <laughs> I'll let you sweep my lollipop. Yeah. <laughs> Easy. Done already. Oh, my God. That's literally where I wanted to go next. So high five. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, man. Brooms, brooms, brooms. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love that in that version, brooms are equal to girls. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like, hey, broom, I'm gonna take you to the girl factory. <laughs> this got weird. I don't understand it. Are we sweeping the women? I don't. I just don't understand. Oh my god. Oh my god, Becky, look at her broom. It is so big. <laughs> She looks like one of those like janitors. 
She looks like she could sweep a stadium floor with that oh broom. <laughs> Is she a Zamboni? That's yeah. like an ice broom. <laughs> it's an ice broom. In this world, in this world we've created, they just like the thickest gals are a street sweeper. <laughs> And oh, you you would just slut shame somebody by calling them a sweeper. You're like oh, As somebody's into it. Somebody likes SSW porn. Straight up. Oh, your boy is trash. He a straight dustpan. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds like it's part of some type of Hogwarts shit. <laughs> this is Hogwarts slang. The Sports Illustrated Hogwarts edition. <laughs> yeah, it's just like what? hot witches on brooms. Like this is a clean sweep of a gal. Or just like, that girl's a Nimbus 3000. Everyone gets a ride. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I included this fact. I was like, I could leave out the part about the broom factory, but why? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so they they go to Battle Creek, Michigan, and they open a broom factory. This is their big idea. What, how okay how do you I, everyone has tank. dirty houses i need to I, I know this sounds irrelevant but i need to know what's the uh time frame like how long has it been since the dust bowl uh this is before the dust bowl oh they're about to make hella money ahead of the game <laughs> ahead of the game you want to know how i got rich brooms baby brooms we create the dust bowl boom bada boom bada broom dust broom bada broom <laughs> Hey, Dustin Hoffman and The Graduate, I've got one word for you. Brooms. <laughs> oh, fuck the rest of this episode. This is just yeah, about brooms now. Over. This is just, we riff about brooms for the remainder of this episode. Sorry if you were tuning in for facts. This is what you get. <laughs> we're going to take you to the broom factory. <laughs> And his great, 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 great grandchild went on to develop the Roomba. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Because this makes Roombas like real girl dolls, right? That's what it (laughs) is. (laughs) Like the sex robot. I mean, honestly, a lot of men, what they want is a woman who will clean your house. So, yes, I would say yes. You have your real girl doll for the sexy times and you have the Roomba for all your other needs. Um, anyway, so back to the Kellogg's. So because the Kellogg's believed that the second coming of Christ was going to happen literally any fucking day now because Seventh-day Adventists all did at the time, uh, they believed that the formal education of their children was un necessary oh (laughs) hell yeah oh no (laughs) all right kids listen up there's two things you gotta know in this world one we're all gonna die two you gotta make brooms (laughs) now john harvey kellogg allegedly uh, was a sickly child but i gotta think that maybe it's just allergies from the dust (laughs) fair fair or He's one of 17 children, and they're not all going to be winners. So (laughs) uh, he only attended public schools from the ages of 9 to 11, uh, at which point he left school to work on sorting brooms. Sounds like our next president, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Get him in office. This guy's a genius. This one also sweeps. 
<laughs> this one sweeps too. He's just like sorting. The- <laughs> Stupid. Um, now, he allegedly at this point still read constantly uh, and tried to teach himself a lot of stuff, which I'm like, when has that ever been a problem? Oh, always? Every time. Every time someone is self-taught on this show, it's a problem. So at the age of 12, the Whites, Ellen and her husband, (laughs) uh, needed an assistant. So they basically asked to have 12-year-old John work with them. And he started working as what is called a printer's devil, which I had never heard that phrase before. A printer's devil is the name for a printer's apprentice who performs most of the tasks of printing, like mixing tubs of ink and setting the type. So back in this time, you'd still have to set typefaces. You'd put the letters together for printing. Um Notable people who have been printer's devils, Benjamin Franklin, Walt Whitman, and Mark Twain, all apprenticed in printing shops. So this is what John Harvey was doing. But remember, this is a kid who has only been to school for two years and reads, sort of, uh, but is mostly self-taught. And he's setting all of the typefaces for their publications. <laughs> You're about to have some spelling er errors. (laughs) Well, especially because they eventually moved him up to proofreader. Oh, God. (laughs) So he started proofreading all of their stuff. Now, John, it's a very easy job. You're basically going to sweep the words and see if there's any mistakes. And he's just like, sweep it. I get it for sure. I get it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Uh, And this kind of reminds me because he only went to school for like two years. Mm -hmm. I had to do coverage on a Quentin Tarantino script one time and he dropped out of like high school. And that dude can't spell for shit but it's still kind of brilliant. And so there's a part of me that's like, was this just all misspelled nonsense? But people were like, he knows what he's talking about, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> what is happening here? It was wild. So he set articles and re- essentially wrote editorials for all of their publications, including Health, uh, How to Live, The Health Reformer, And he would document Ellen G. White, Ellen Gould White's uh, theories about health, but also her visions as well. She taught him about the vegetarian lifestyle. And she would later describe her husband's relationship with John as closer than that of his own children. (laughs) So they basically took him in as like, you're our kid now, (laughs) even though. And you're our favorite kid. (laughs) He always sweeps. We don't even have to tell him. (laughs) John decided that he wanted to become a teacher and that that's what he wanted to do with his life, despite spending collectively two years in school. And at age 16, he got a job (laughs) as a teacher. Remember the old days when you needed zero qualifications to do anything? This is my thing. In reading this story, so many of the commentaries on this story are people being like, see, he was brilliant. And I'm like, no, 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 no. No one was checking. Like, this is brilliance. This is incompetence as a system. Now, by age 20, he decided that he should enroll in a teacher's training course. Mind you, he's been teaching for four years already (laughs) at that point. 
Yeah, I went to the Southwest Eastern Education Place. Uh, you might know it as S-W-E-E-P for short. That's where <laughs> I got my doctorate. <laughs> my PHB. The B stands for broom. <laughs> the B stands for broom. And the F stands for phenomenal. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. He went to a training course offered by a place called the Michigan State Normal School. <laughs> Okay. And I'm like, there's nothing normal about this. Uh, oh, but fun. Kaiser so say a name? <laughs> We're the normal school. Fun fact about the normal school in 1959, it changed its name to Eastern Michigan University and still exists. Okay. Now, the Kellogg's and the Whites. Now, strong family friends decided that they were going to talk him out of becoming a teacher. Because they thought he should go along with his brother and some of the white children. Uh, so Merritt Kellogg, Edison White, William White, and then another girl named Jenny Trembley. And he, they thought he should join them as a student in a six-month medical course. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. At uh, a... a Higliotherapeutic College in New Jersey because at this time six months, six months was long enough to be qualified to practice medicine. Oh my god. Didn't they die by like 30 anyway? So they're like yeah, what does it matter? True. Remember the good old days when leeches was medicine? <laughs> Remember the good old days when brooms was medicine? Hey, here's the, here's the problem. I opened up your heart. You got no bristles in here. <laughs> Now, I this drove me nuts, so I did some research on how long does it take to become a doctor in 2020 in the United States. So long. 11 to 14 years. Whoa! Yes. That includes earning a bachelor's degree, which could be three to four years, potentially five, depending on if you're a super senior, Mm -hmm. then attending four years of medical school, and then completing a three to seven year residency program after medical school. Depending on your specialty. Depending on your specialty. After residency, doctors can then apply for a state license to practice medicine. It also costs... Between seven hundred thousand to two point six million dollars in education wow. costs before you can even apply for a state license, and doctors can make anywhere from thirty-three thousand as residents, which is almost below poverty line in Los Angeles. Heads up, it's pretty bad. Yeah, uh, to 280,000 as full-blown doctors, which sounds like a lot, until you remember that they have $2.6 million in loans. And insurance is only paying them a max amount of about 50 to 60% of their service costs because that's how private insurance companies do. The system is broken, single payer forever. I'm just like, hate it so much. So... Their goal in sending all of their kids to this six-month medical camp. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Doctor what? camp. Doctor with, camp. Learn to play with a stethoscope and cutting people. Who cares why? Sweep away camp. And <laughs> <laughs> So who, who needs who needs medical school when you have Facebook statuses? Am I right? Like that's right? where you get the real right? learning. 
That's yeah, true. I learn everything That's from true. memes from people I haven't talked to in 20 years. <laughs> um, now, their goal was to develop a core group of trained doctors for their Western Health Reform Institute in Battle Creek, which was essentially a Seventh-day Adventist hospital, if you want to think of it that way. It was their first foray into the health space if that makes sense is there i i know that this might not be uh our area of expertise but is there like a big difference in their health care versus ours at this time i mean now here's the thing at the time all hospitals are bad okay (laughs) so like Yeah. yeah you know grain of salt um but grain of salt is what they used to put in wounds at hospitals. (laughs) hospitals it's good for Um, you they largely advocated for holistic methods um, okay. and they usually adhered to a vegetarian diet mm-hmm. um, within their health system. I just didn't know if they had like a, a no surgery uh, prey on it kind of approach. No, 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 no. They Because um, we'll, we'll get to it later, but Kellogg does eventually become a surgeon. What? So, Yes. So they do provide surgical and and full service medical services at their uh, reform institute eventually. Uh, So they wanted to basically train a whole group of doctors to basically take over what would become this hospital facility. Um, And they did. But John actually wanted something more. So John Harvey Kellogg went on to attend medical school at the University Medical School in Ann Arbor and then the NYU Medical College at Bellevue Hospital in New York City. And he graduated in 1875 with a full medical degree and with experience as a surgeon. Now, to clarify, at the time, this level of schooling was optional. He could have practiced low-level medicine with his existing six-month course. But not so fast, if you're thinking good for him for getting additional medical degrees, Because his entire college career studying medicine to become a famous surgeon at the time was, drumroll, three years. Whoa! I studied film longer than this man collectively studied medicine. I studied coloring longer than this man learned medicine. (laughs) And one year later... Uh-huh. The Whites made Kellogg the director of the Western Health Reform Institute. Oh and the God. next year, he renamed it to the Battle Creek Medical Surgical Sanitarium. And he used the word sanitarium. It was a mispronunciation of an existing word, sanatorium, uh, to suggest that both hospital care and sanitation and personal health and cleanliness were their chief I mean, treatments, I guess. He wanted it to suggest clean living. The only problem with that is that the word sanatorium, and by extension his mispronunciation of sanitarium, which then eventually became an accepted word, but at the time was not, uh, the definition of that is an establishment for the medical treatment of people who are convalescing or have a chronic illness. (laughs) So essentially it's like a place to die or get treated by something that's not going away. But anyway, he was one of the first people to use these types of words to refer to what we would now call a health resort. That's part of why they changed the name. So they didn't want it to sound like reform. He thought that 
suggesting that people need to reform their lives framed it in a bad light and instead what he wanted to encourage was like we're clean it's good living as opposed to the way you're living is bad and needs to change if that makes sense take time for yourself have an yeah. arts and crafts lesson craft your own artisanal broom <laughs> I'm sure somebody's hosting uh, artisanal broom classes right now, right this very <laughs> second over I Zoom. I know for a fact that we have a listener who recently created their own broom for their jump the broom ceremony, oh which is God. part of At their wedding. Weddings. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, there's one person that's listening to this episode. Like, don't you motherfuckers say shit about brooms? <laughs> I mean, I, I. I have been to a number of weddings where brooms were jumped and I always love it. And I love that they're unique and they make them personal. And I think that's great. Uh, that's not the kind of brooms that these people were making. No, <laughs> so, like, no, that's fair. Not at all. I, yeah. I do love when you say jumped, the brooms were jumped. It's like they were in a dark alley by themselves at night. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, Give me all your bristles. No. <laughs> Speaking of getting married. In 1879, so two years after changing the name of the sanitarium, John Harvey Kellogg met and married a woman named Ella Ervilla Eaton. But Seventh-day Adventists at the time, uh, or at least the brand that he was involved with, advocated for celibacy. So they never consummated that marriage. They maintained separate bedrooms for their entire relationship. What kind of Lucy and Ricky shit is this? And they had no biological children of their own. Instead, they were foster parents and occasionally adoptive parents to 42 children. Damn. This brings me to a complicated conversation. Uh, of his 42 foster or adopted children, nearly all of them were either black Mexican or from South America. But around this time, Kellogg was heavily involved in the eugenics movement and he widely embraced racial segregation. But he and his wife also believed that essentially they believed in nurture over nature. So they believed that environment could overcome hereditary tendencies but in order to believe that in the way that they did you have to inherently believe that someone's race predisposes them to having bad tendencies which is terrible um they when they would look into foster or adopting would seek out what were described as quote undesirables uh and try to essentially correct the issues mm. it's not good it's bad. Uh, now, Kellogg was particularly concerned with something called race degeneracy. He believed that race was threatened by racial mixing and allowing people that he deemed mentally defective to reproduce. So oh, no. He, yes. He was very, very in favor of forced sterilization. Oh, no. He was very against mixing races, uh, and he was very, very invested in the idea that you would take people who he called, quote, well-born, and instruct them on how to maintain their heritage and pass it on to the next generation, and he hoped that eugenic legislation would be accepted across the country. 
and he would use agricultural metaphors to bolster this, even though we know now that cross-pollination is actually good <laughs> for plants, but whatever. He didn't go to that much school. That's uh, so, so he basically, tr- his, his point is like, you should treat your own semen like it's a family heirloom. Like yes. pass the sound through the generations. That's if you choose to have sex at all. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Did he sterilize his adopted children? No. Actually. Okay. Oh, okay. thank God. I was really afraid. I was really worried that he was going to take them to the doom factory. No. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, from what I read, because I did look into it a lot, and it's still not great, no. but they would find children that were either of different races or from really terrible backgrounds and their goal was basically to give them a great home with like vegetarian diet regimented life so that they could be the best version of of themselves that they could possibly be but they still didn't want them mixing yeah that's still causing a lot of harm You know, if you're if you're a child and you're growing up in an environment where an adult is telling you that no matter how good you are, you're not as good as them because you're not white. That's really messed up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he didn't sterilize them, but it's also not good. It's just not good in general. It's yeah. They're bad views. They're really bad. Uh, He then founded with a few other eugenicists, the Race Betterment Foundation to promote his views on eugenics, particularly encouraging people of good pedigrees to procreate. Um, You know, like show dogs. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, he's just really all over the board. Like, he doesn't have sex. Is it? Does he choose not to have sex because he's sickly and he believes that his genes are inferior? So here's here's the thing. It doesn't say that, but I think that is it. Really? I think that... So here's the thing. Celibacy within the Seventh-day Adventist community was not the norm. You know, like, a lot of people had a lot of kids. The whites had kids. People would still get married and, and have kids. <laughs> they sure did, Paige. They sure did. The whites um, sure had a lot of children. And not all Seventh-day Adventists were eugenicists. This was him specifically. And in 1907, he was actually um, basically removed from the Seventh-day Adventist church for a lot of these views. So, like, to be honest, he he kind of claims that it's a religious thing a lot of the time, but that doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't really fit. No. For me. I think a better fit is him thinking that I'm I was sickly as a child and therefore if I procreate I'm not necessarily going to be providing the best gene pool to pull from. So I do think that you've hit on something there. Yeah. Uh, it's It's such a weird I'm this is going to be such a confusing sentence but all of his views are so awful, but this is one of the first times I've ever seen somebody's awful views be consistent across the board, like even with themselves. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, usually they're like, 
you all suck, but I'm the best. And yeah. so I don't have to follow the rules. Like yeah. generally that's how yeah. people kind of I've behave a, in our cult. I've seen a lot of people who are like white power, white people, master race. And it's just like, oh man, you look awful. You don't even have all of your teeth, dude. Come on. Yeah. Well, and this is something that is known about him and people across the board would say he practiced what he preached to a fault. I mean, he's like an evil Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah. He'd be riding public transit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't like it. I'm sorry. He's not riding a broom though. I would like right. that. Now, some of these ideas would go on to inspire a lot of people. Um, at one point, California was the leading state for eugenics. It's it was <laughs> we're number one. <laughs> we're number one. It was very popular for a very long time, longer than it should have been. One of the things in California's eugenics history is the widespread sterilization of people with developmental difficulties. Oh, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did we have uh, a lot of lobotomies as well? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yikes. It is the California way to not deal with anything that's inconvenient. It, I mean, that is a very big part of our kind of culture. That's true. And yeah. I know it sounds like I'm making a joke here, but I mean, like, that's a real, like, I mean, I, I, from housing to everything. Like, it's just like, our, pardon the joke here, but ev- California is constantly trying to sweep everything under a rug. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, legitimately, I've noticed that in the workplace even, it's just the way yeah. people deal with each other is like, we just don't talk about it. We don't want to deal with conflict. Whereas like, I'm from the Midwest where it's like, I have a problem with you. I'm going to talk to you about it. And we will reach a resolution even if we disagree. Yeah, we're definitely going to fight in the parking lot. But that's because we're from Wisconsin. And we're bros. <laughs> but like here, it's like people just really don't want any sort of actual conflict. They just kind of do things. And then we just don't talk about it. And I'm like, why is any of this happening? California needs therapy. That's what we're saying. Yeah. Not <laughs> gene therapy. Not gene therapy. Knows. Just regular therapy. Statistically, we have the most therapy. Yes. <laughs> I know what we're saying is California needs group therapy. All of California (laughs) logs onto one Zoom call and we do it together. Now, these ideas didn't just inspire people in the United States. Uh, Rather, they also inspired a man named Adolf Hitler, who adopted these principles as part of his propaganda campaign and for a project called the Lebensborn, where Nazis with desirable physical traits were paired in attempt to produce ideal, racially pure children. One of the members of ABBA is a Lebensborn. This is also something we saw at uh, Colonia Dignidad. When when the Nazis went to especially Nordic countries where there were Mm -hmm. tall, blonde women, they would have their SS officers essentially pay these women to be mistresses and have babies and you were paid upon the birth of your baby. So SS officers were having relationships with women who are not their wives to increase this like perfect gene population. Yep. Hey lady, do you want to be a freelance mother? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> do you want to be a 1099 well, they, mom? They wouldn't have to raise the children. The yeah, children they, would then be taken from That's them. what I'm saying. And adopted in Germany. Yeah. Now, as we know from the world of purebred pets and also Game of Thrones, 
this is a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Too much genetic familiarity causes the potential for specific weaknesses or illnesses for develop. If anything, we should be constantly mixing races to hey. produce the strongest blended heirs. That's oh, why yeah, and that's actually why Armando's so tall. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, according to science. <laughs> The, yeah, science says we should mix it up. Big German Mexican. So like, not only am I tall and bulky as shit, but there's no beer on earth that can get me drunk. <laughs> <laughs> now, Kellogg, bolstered by a lot of the fame he was getting from being an outspoken eugenicist and a respected doctor slash surgeon, surgeon, decided to give the sanitarium a facelift, and he turned it into a straight up health resort where they would serve healthy foods, offer holistic treatments. And then he really leaned into the idea of himself as an eccentric doctor. He was always dapper, uh, typically dressed in an all-white suit with white shoes and a white walking stick, often with a white cockatoo perched on his shoulder okay. like some sort of weird corn pirate. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like the villain in a story where the protagonist is Colonel Sanders. Yes, like, that's not... exactly, or, yes. Or just like Hammond from Jurassic Park where he's just like, I present to you sanitarium. And people are just like, no, no, corny flake, flake, flake. There's just a big broom in the background. Flakes. Yeah. <laughs> now, he did all of this with the help of his brother, William Keith Kellogg. See, William wasn't a doctor. He didn't go to fancy colleges, but he had something that John didn't have street smarts. Hmm. William, or WK as he commonly went by, was a brilliant businessman. He was advertising the sanitarium as much as a vacation as a health treatment, and people flocked there. Together, the brothers worked on their meals for the sanitarium, and they had options to build off of. Both of them had visited Graham's resorts, Sylvester Graham from last week, and they were huge fans of his flower and his views on whole grains. So some of their... <laughs> no grain mixing! <laughs> we only want whole white grain. Not white. That was the whole thing. Yeah, it was the white meant the bleaching. Yeah. Uh, now, some of their first menu items at the sanitarium were double baked biscuits out of Graham's flour. So essentially, they were making their own version of Graham crackers. And they were almost inedible. Like, people didn't really like them. From what I could find, they sound kind of like Nature's Valley bars. Oh. Where they're just like, yeah, exactly. It sounds like they found hardtack again. And they're like, yeah. bring it back. <laughs> What's the whitest thing we can make? So because Ugh. people had trouble eating it, they decided to grind it up into little crumbs. And that was their first cereal. They called it granola. Yikes. Wow. They are the inventors of granola. Wow. That's some crunchy shit, man. That's some crunchy shit. But they weren't entirely happy with it. Why? They they were like, ah, it could be better. We don't love it. Yeah, it could be gorp. <laughs> it could be gorp. They liked the concept of the food and the idea of a cereal, although they didn't have a name for it yet. Just not 
this version, not this food itself. So they started to experiment with different grains. When you say cereal, do you mean that they were like straight up like putting milk in it and like eating yeah. it? Really? Mm-hmm. Or water. Was well, there any? Oh, ah! There's porridge. There's oatmeal. Yes. We've already had yeah. okay. hot cereals. So they're like, what if we did so it this cold? this is a cold cereal. Oh. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. is refrigeration a thing at this point? Uh, it's like ice boxes. Yeah. So this is when people, you have an ice box, but the refrigerator is not far off. So the concept of having cold I- available ingredients that are still going to be fresh-ish is good. And you have milk delivered every day, probably stuff like that. I don't like the mm-hmm. concept of water and cereal. I know that some people still do it and it makes me upset. I've had to do it when I've run out of milk and it's gross. <laughs> no. Not a fan. I will do heavy whipping cream with water in lieu of milk, and Armando gets viscerally upset. That's essentially the same thing as milk. First of all, you just said in lieu of milk, and I love the thought of that. (laughs) Wait, in lieu? (laughs) Is it lieu? In lieu of milk. Okay. Secondly, I've only seen it written, not spoken even you describing it now makes me want to vomit i know that it's (laughs) essentially the same thing as milk it still makes me disgusted you're welcome anyway they started experimenting with different grains including a flaked wheat that they called granos Um, until one day they decided to try that same method with a batch of cornmeal and it developed a different kind of flaky texture that they hadn't seen before. And the flakes were deemed nutritious by Dr. John Kellogg, and they were more pleasant to eat and easier to chew. So they started serving them to their clients at the sanitarium, and it was a pretty big hit. Many patients (laughs) wanted to take some home with them or purchase them for their home after leaving the sanitarium, which gave William an idea. See, breakfast right now at this time in history was a pain in the ass. If you lived on a farm, you may have had access to eggs and maybe bacon. But what if you were a vegetarian like the brothers? The average vegetarian person didn't have ready access to these types of foods on a regular basis, or at least not an easy bread breakfast option. Making breakfast was kind of an ordeal. They would make porridge or mush or oatmeal, but these would take hours to melt down. This is not a case. We don't have instant oatmeal. You know, they have to cook these grains down so that they're edible. So mothers were getting up early, early, early in the morning after caring for children, usually infants all night, because remember, people have a million children, and they would have to cook a lot of these over a wood-burning fire because most people were not lucky enough to have gas flames in their homes. Wow. So... W.K., William, wanted to put the flakes in every home in America, but John was resistant to selling the flakes commercially. He wanted people to have a reason to visit the sanitarium where they could receive the full gamut of his treatments. So now seems as good a time as ever to talk about his treatments. So his first thing that he would make people do and his arguably most widespread treatment he believed that people weren't chewing enough he was a disciple of a man named horace fletcher uh who billed himself as quote a health expert who basically said that people were having digestive issues because they weren't chewing enough (laughs) so he advised people to chew each bite of food 40 times before swallowing no 
So Kellogg would actually lead songs in the sanitarium oh. while people were chewing. Now, I want you to think about this, too. Think about cornflakes and how easily they would just be soggy mush if you chewed them 40 times. Yeah, yeah thanks, but no. Yeah. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, it's a lot. Now, uh, the ideal food should be able to be pushed into the back of the throat with some sort of small broom-like <laughs> like If device. your tongue is a broom, it needs to be light enough to sweep the food mm, back. Mm, I mean, yes. I guess a spoon is just a face shovel. Dude, they're fucking... That's pretty good. <laughs> Their fucking jaws must have been ripped. Like, I, my tongue has a six-pack from chewing this cereal. <laughs> It's like those things you see on Facebook all the time. It's just like a little yes. cube that you chew. It's yes. like that. It's like I've, I those ads are wild. I'm like, why would like, you? You're asking for TMJ. Why would you want? Yes. That? Well, and the guy's like, I really noticed a difference in the like jaw, and I'm just like, why is this so important to you? No one like I know that we occasionally are like, oh my god, look at the jaw on that guy, amazing jawline. We've all seen Henry Cavill, but like. Th that's bone structure <laughs> like this is you know sometimes you just get the face that you get yeah unless have we tried eating bones if i eat more bones <laughs> will that add as long as bones? you chew it 40 times yeah i'm just saying no one's tried it if i eat enough bones maybe i add bones to my bone structure if i eat henry cavill will i get a butt chin oh yes i'm 100%. willing to try yes <laughs> I don't for know science. <laughs> for science. A lot of people don't know this, but actually human beings are a lot like Kirby in that if you eat one of us, you adopt their powers <laughs> and personalities. Something that a lot of doctors at the time were invested in is called light therapy. Now, <laughs> this, is, this is actually something that ended up being kind of real later. And there's a few different things that we'll cover that like a version of it gets accepted as modern medicine, but not what they were doing back in the day. Uh, so in the case of light medicine or light baths, they were experimenting with the therapeutic effects of artificial light. So if you've ever heard of somebody having seasonal affective disorder and getting essentially a lamp to help combat that, that's the version of it in modern day. But in Kellogg's day, they basically just built a wooden box lined with light bulbs. And then it would have you lay <laughs> lay down or sit in it. And he would prescribe this for diabetes, <laughs> insomnia, gangrene, syphilis, writer's cramp, Ooh. mania, hysteria. <laughs> Just like every, it was just a cure-all. He so was just he, like, yeah, try some light about it. He made a tanning bed. Not even a tanning bed. He made an easy-bake oven and was like, yes. this is going to cure all your diabetes. I'm going to bake out your syphilis. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, Benjamin Franklin was a huge proponent that if he sunbathed in the nude he did not need to bathe benjamin franklin just wanted to be naked outside oh for yeah, sure he a freak he's yeah. a freak, a freak. yeah he was for sure a freak a lot of people don't say this but uh so he had a kite with a key uh tied to it mm -hmm. and he was flying it but what a lot of people don't know is the other side of the kite was a butt plug it was in his ass <laughs> 
Ben Frank a freak. Well, he had so many <laughs> French mistresses, much younger than himself. Yeah, those ones are yes. real. Those ones are real. Yeah. Didn't he? Mm-hmm. Didn't he get syphilis? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And he bought an yeah. Easy Bake Oven to try to. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would have the mistresses like get that handle thing to like move the pan in and out from under the light bulb. So. The other things that Kellogg was working on, one of them was called sinusoidal current, where he believed that if he essentially subjected people to low level currents of electricity, it could cure a lot of different stuff. Um, Okay. This is electrotherapy sounding a lot. Yeah. It might just be what you're describing. Not quite. (laughs) This is different from electroshock therapy. Uh, It's a much milder dosage, and he would just apply the current directly to his patient's skin. So he's basically just cattle prodding people. (laughs) He's just microdosing electroshock therapy. (laughs) Shock therapy. (laughs) Um, Now, uh, essentially, he was closer to like electrostimulation, which some people will use to like stimulate muscle growth and things like that. But it's a much more concentrated and specific therapy now. He thought it could treat lead poisoning, tuberculosis, obesity. No. But he also thought that the best way to use it was by applying it directly to a patient's eyelids and eyeballs. Oh, God. Uh, oh no. To cure vision disorders. No. Hey, man, you're too fat. I'm going to tase you in the face. Ba-pow! <laughs> Bada broom. Oh. Your vision's blurry? I can't imagine why. We've been tasing you in the eye for three days. We've been tasing you in the eye and sticking you in an easy bake oven afterwards. What could go wrong? (laughs) If I got... If I got tased in the face, my first question would be like, hey, man, did you like, are you a real doctor or did you take like, did you go to sweep away camp? Because For six this, months. This doesn't sound like doctor shit. Are you sure you're not a veterinarian? Are you sure? <laughs> so he also invented something called the continuous tub bath. <laughs> we know about this from an ad in Good Housekeeping where they offered 46 different kinds of baths. Now... Some baths are useful, like sits baths or foot baths. Those are pretty conventional and still used. Um, But there were also options like the continuous bath, which was basically a really long bath. Baths would last for hours, days, weeks, or months. Mm -mm. Ah. You got just soggy bits. See, this is the problem. He has the same idea about baths as he does about breakfast cereal where he's just like make it mush (laughs) yes uh and he would use this to treat skin diseases i guess he's like you don't have syphilis if you're pruny (laughs) like i don't know i mean uh chronic diarrhea that's not you're not supposed to go into a pool if you have diarrhea of your own filth that's right? disgusting. This is awful. You're just marinating people before yes. you throw them into your Easy Bake Oven. <laughs> <laughs> but then he specifically would use this to treat mental illness, uh, including uh, like they call it delirium, but like fugue states or disassociative states, hysteria and mania. Um, and overall, this is all crazy. Uh, but it's kind of tame compared to what we're about to get to next. What? Because we have not even discussed his obsession with shitting. <laughs> with, as a man, 
who wore all white is a dangerous obsession to have. A man who wore all white and had no sex ever. And had no sex ever. And only ate fiber. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, how... Because you, you say an obsession with shitting, but I don't think either of you have ever hung out with enough dudes to know that this is a pretty dude obsession. So this isn't the way that dudes are obsessed with shitting. This isn't like a send your friend a picture of your hilarious shit mm -hmm. level. This is... We should all be shitting more because our bodies create intestinal flora and we need to constantly clean it out. So he's like pre-jilly juice, jilly juice. Ah. So he wanted people to literally be shitting like five to eight or more times a day. So he's causing the diarrhea and then treating yes. the diarrhea to... by putting you in a tub. <laughs> and then putting you in an easy bake oven. I like that he would kind of agree with like part of my before diet where it was just like, I am shitting a lot. It's not vegetarian, but I am shitting so much. You know what? This sounds like when a child just puts on a doctor's coat. And if everyone was like, whatever ideas you got, kid, that's medicine now. What if we what if what if we what if what if you took a really long bath and then we poop for like eight times? That's this many. Back and forth forever. This many. Yeah. <laughs> Medicine. So I'm a doctor. His, <laughs> one of his first options for making people poop as much as he wanted them to, <laughs> he developed a machine, oh, one no. of the first machines that could dispense enemas in 15 quart increments. Oh, Which, boy. by the way, is a lot of fucking quarts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Weird take. He's never having sex. Do nope. you think that he's stimulating his prostate vis-a-vis -vis these enemas? Um, maybe. I mean, he was giving them to patients of all genders. Okay. Um, and he would have thought that orgasming was bad. Did you say that he was putting 15, 15 quarts? Yes. That is roughly, if I'm doing my math right, that is roughly 60 cups. That's uh, almost eight gallons. Yeah. Yeah. Per minute. Fuck. Eight <laughs> gallons? Per minute? In your ass? I in can't your... even drink that much water in a day. What is wrong with this but man? But I can butt chug it apparently. Dude. No. <laughs> no, you cannot. Yeah. It's not, it's not good. Uh, and they were administered by special machines that were kind of like pushing a bunch of liquid in, but then also pumping. You're just, you know, pressure washing your butthole. What is <laughs> yes, this? So that's a, no, that's exactly it. Uh, he, in his writing, said more people need washing out than any other remedy. So, yes, he, he was just power washing your anus and your intestines. Yeah. What? Uh, he also liked to give people yogurt enemas. Ugh. And that's not a euphemism for sex. That's, that's I'm going to give you this yogurt enema. No, he was actually putting yogurt up people's assholes. Why? This is the se this is like the second time we've seen this, isn't it? We we've seen yogurt used to treat yeast infections and yogurt used as lube. Oh my god. Why is it that people who always get really into eugenics and think they're doctors come up with just the weirdest fucking shit and call it medicine? Why is that? Okay. What is happening right so now? So I have created a tube technology that actually administers the yogurt inside of your anus i call it gogurt because it helps 
<laughs> it helps you go. Wait, wait, who owns Gogurt? Hold on. Oh, hold on, hold on. shit. <laughs> Dude. YoPlay owns Gogurt. Okay, but is YoPlay part of Kellogg's? That's what I want to yeah, know. Are they all oh, the money? I tried to log into my phone and it didn't let me. I think the government knows we're on to their. No, they're owned by General Mills. Oh. So they're they're owned by a competitor. <laughs> He'd be so mad. It's so perfect. Uh, but none of that compares to his crowning achievement in the world of shitting, the chair. What? He, he developed a vibrating chair. Oh, hell yeah. Oh. Now, he believed in vibration a ton, where he would create things like mechanical horses and other ways to vibrate parts of your body to stimulate your muscles. <laughs> But one of the biggest things that he did is create a vibrating chair, one of the first ever vibrating chairs. So like a massage chair, but it would shake you up to 60 times a second. The goal being to stimulate the bowels. So it's like a massage chair designed to shake you so badly you shit yourself. (laughs) Now, in combination with this machine, he also created a slapping machine. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, dude. What the fuck? I'm going to slap the shit out of you. Yes, and it was supposed to stimulate their circulation. So he would shake them until they shat themselves and then slap them with an early robot. Just go for a walk. What is wrong with people? Just drink a cup of coffee and go for a jaunt around the block, you You will shit. Asshole. You will so shit. think about... Think about this. You're chewing your food to mush. You're laying in the Easy Bake Oven. You're taking baths for days on end. He shakes you. No, he gives you an enema and then shakes you until you shit yourself and then slaps you. This dude has the most hilarious, best, worst treatments ever. And how much is he charging per day to be at this clinic? A lot. A lot. Like, they are very rich at this point. So you're just, you're charging so much money, all the golds, to be abused daily, and you call it medicine. Yep. Man. But we haven't even gotten to what he felt about masturbation yet. No. Oh, my God. I will say before we go any further that if he marketed this differently, he would have a big audience in the sub community today. Oh, 100%. Now, he referred to masturbation as the solitary vice or the vile practice. Dude, same here, dude. He believed that it led to poor digestion, memory loss, impaired vision, heart disease, epilepsy, and insanity. He's the reason why people joke that if you masturbate, you'll go blind. Like, he came up with that. Wait, that's not true? No. (laughs) What? Paige, I could have been enjoying so many more things, mostly myself. The thing is, is it's not that she's never masturbated. She's trying to like portion it out so she doesn't doesn't go blind. Go blind. My eyesight is already very bad. I assume it's because of all the orgasms I've had. <laughs> she thinks she has like a, a cum budget, and she's like, "Nope, can't. Sp- I spent too much this month." <laughs> now, keeping in mind what subs might enjoy today, uh, <laughs> some of the treatments he suggested for boys to stop masturbation 
would be to essentially bandage your dick so you couldn't get hard or to put a cage over it so that when you did maintain an erection, it would very badly hurt your your penis. Um, And if that didn't work and you were still jerking it, he recommended circumcision without anesthetics. Oh, believing no. Yes, the- believing that the pain would have a psychological effect that would make you never want to touch your dick again. This is how you make serial killers. Yes. Yeah. Whoa, no pun intended, but mm-hmm. yes. Oh. Now, Ooh. unlike Graham, he actually focused on masturbation for girls as well. And... His, Same here, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Legit, uh, did not know that was an option until I was 18. Thank you for my TED Talk. Hmm. <laughs> you should have looked at one or two porn sites because it's pretty high up that there. That is my maximum to date. Two porns. <laughs> <laughs> two porns. I have watched two porns. Uh, now, unfortunately, he had worse treatments for girls that couldn't stop masturbating, oh, no. including the application of acid to the <gasps> clitoris or, in some cases, surgical removal. That's yeah. fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of his biggest moneymakers out of all of this was that he owned patents on all of it and other things that he considered to be his own inventions, like cornflakes and things like that, he has the first patent for peanut butter, which is bullshit. Yeah, what? Here's how it happened. So he was obsessed with nuts and also (laughs) nuts as a food. (laughs) Uh, He thought because they were high in protein and vegetarian that they were the key to a lot of his health foods. And he's not entirely wrong. Nuts are great. Um, And also the food. And also the food. (laughs) And as a result, that led him to contact George Washington Carver because he knew that he had been working extensively with peanuts. And George Washington Carver spent years discussing nuts with Kellogg, writing back and forth about George Washington Carver's new invention, peanut butter. And then Kellogg registered the patent for himself before Carver was able to do so. What a piece of shit. He's a Fuck piece you, of Kellogg. shit. Fuck yeah. you. He, he's cutting clits off. He's stealing peanut butter from black people. He's the fucking worst. Piece of shit is a compliment to a guy who's like, thank you. Yes. Eight times a day. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I mean, I can only assume that his daily existence was miserable considering all the shitting and bathing that he was doing. So like... Yeah. I guess he earned it, you know, karmically, but fuck that guy. Well, he's about to have his ass handed to him karmically, which oh, is pretty thank great. God. He's just having a, I mean, you're saying he's having a terrible life. He's just sitting on a vibrating chair and slapping the shit out of people with a robot. <laughs> <laughs> Tasing your eyeballs. Yeah, he's fucking, he's a mad scientist. I forgot about chalking the eyeballs for a second. Yeah, like, Jesus. Oh, you looking at me strange? <laughs> Better shock those eyeballs. <laughs> then I'm going to vibrate you till you shit yourself. <laughs> and slap the shit out of you. God. But his brother, WK, oh, no. didn't care about any of that. He saw a golden opportunity to sell cereal and he was going to take it. So he and his brother parted ways, and W.K. started marketing and selling Kellogg's cornflakes commercially. He added a little bit of sugar and a few other ingredients to make them taste better, 
as with most mass-produced foods at the time, and he made a killing. It was extremely popular right off the bat. And there was only one problem, his brother. After seeing the success of cornflakes, John tried to play catch up with his own brand. But the last thing that WK wanted was for people to like his cornflakes and then try his brother's, which were arguably healthier but didn't taste all that great. But with the similar name, it was easy to get confused. So he thought that having his brother have his own brand would ruin his branding. So he sued his own brother for the name Kellogg. The suit lasted for 10 years. Holy shit. And John lost terribly. He had to pay for all the legal expenses and it nearly bankrupted him. And now he could only include his full name on boxes in very small font. WK had won and he was rolling in money. John retreated to the sanitarium, which was still pretty popular, but now was being used as more of a traditional hospital. Um, While his brother, W.K., made bajillions and became a serial magnet, and the brothers didn't speak again. John died in 1943 at the sanitarium at the age of 91, by the way. So apparently all that shitting, he knew something. Yeah, I wonder if uh, every masturbation, that little death takes a little time from you. I wonder maybe. if that's what it wow, is. Wow, maybe. I don't know. But he was buried on the ground, so his body's still there. But by then, WK had a new enemy, a man who had stayed at their sanitarium and worked with Sylvester Graham and a handful of other health resorts, a man by the name of C.W. Post, with a product that he liked to call Grape Nuts. Yeah. And the two companies yes. continue to produce cereal to this day. So do you want to go through who has what cereals? Because I have a list. Oh, Grape Nuts I... is my favorite shit. Really? Grape Nuts Flakes? That's my shit. That's my I like healthy breakfast. And Grape Nuts. But that's post is Grape Nuts. Andrea is like 50 at heart. Yeah. And I poop like it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also uh, own Honey Bunches of Oats and Honeycomb, yep. which I fucking love. My favorite thing about Honey Bunches of Oats is if you read the box, they try to spruce it up a lot, but really what it comes down to is they were like, yeah, we had like five cereals, so we just put them together and made one big cereal. I do love Honey Bunches of Oats, though. It's the it's it's, really good. It's one of my favorite cereals. Like, if I had to eat cereal every single day, that would be the one. That yeah. Their newest, newest cereal is Sour Patch Kids cereal. Oh, fuck no. you. Uh, they also make Fruity Pebbles. Uh, yeah, okay, Fruity I Pebbles like are Fruity down. Pebbles. Fruity Pebbles are uh, my favorite cereal, like, that if I didn't have to eat, if I could only eat cereal once uh, a year, really, Fruity Pebbles forever. If I wanted to get diabetes on a budget, <laughs> mm-hmm. Fruity Pebbles. Well, it's not, I mean, if you get diabetes, it's fine. You just get an easy bake oven and you put it over <laughs> parts of you. <laughs> uh, they also make Alphabets and Golden Crisp. Ooh. Okay, I like Golden Crisp. Yeah. Now, Kellogg's, on the other hand... Big Daddy. Big Daddy. So they make Corn Flakes. They also make Frosted Flakes. They make Raisin Bran. They make Frosted Mini Wheats, which is a personal favorite of mine. They make Honey Smacks. They make Fruit Loops. Isn't Honey Smacks what Graham shoved up his ass? Um, oh they also God. make those little crave ones that are the chocolate filled cereals. Ooh. Ooh. 
and they make apple jacks Ooh, and i love i'm gonna have to jacks. fucking go i'm gonna have to find Ooh. apple jacks after we're done recording this because i've I need Apple Jacks right Bro, now. I fucking yeah. love Apple yeah, Jacks. I hated their commercials, but I loved Apple I Jacks. I love Apple Jacks. So if you good. don't remember their commercials, it was just an angry, I assume, white supremacist Apple who's just like, <laughs> I hate everything. And then a Jamaican cinnamon stick who was like, I'm a racist stereotype. <laughs> and then they would just run around fucking up uh <laughs> fruit loops, I think was the whole thing. And they were like, oh, we fucked these up. How about you kids eat them? So that's those are more recent. So when Andrea and I were children, the Apple Jacks commercials were, but it doesn't taste like apples. And then it was basically somebody being like, shut up, eat it. <laughs> so good. the worst and choice. And we did. And we did. <laughs> and I'm gonna, as an adult, go find some. I would say this is karmically payback, where Kellogg's name is more famous than it could have ever been. And it's famous for the exact types of foods that he hated. Yeah. yeah, fuck you, Perfect. Kellogg. Yeah. You patent stealing bitch. Sometimes yeah. when I sometimes after I <laughs> sometimes after I mix the races, I like to have a little bit of frosted flakes too. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> so we received some food in the mail oh, yeah. that yeah. that Kellogg would hate. And we separated them out so we could do this remotely. Uh, but we're going to taste test some wrap snacks, yo. So we got this package and it came with the following grease stained letter because chips, obviously not. They didn't <laughs> yes. write it in grease. No, just... <laughs> no, it happened in the box. Yes. It was an after effect. Hey, guys, hope these make it out west. Not as crumbs. I've only <laughs> tried the honey jalapeno trips and thought they were great. I bought the last two bags the store had one for each house. Let us know how the other two flavors are. Stay safe, Carrie Ransom. Oh, damn. That's a sick-ass last name, dude. Well, Carrie sent us stuff before, I think. Because I remember having this conversation about her last name. All right, so the first one that we have... And remember, uh, Paige and uh, and Andrea and I are both recording remotely. Yes. So we, we each have our own little bags. I'm going to try now the uh, the... The Notorious B.I.G. Cookout Barbecue Sauce Potatoes. This is the one I'm most excited about. I feel like this is the one that really is up my alley. It's very good. Oh, that's good. Oh, mm-hmm. hot damn. Hell yeah. I like that it's not too sweet. Because I feel like barbecue chips are always a little too sweet. And this has almost like a mustard undertone to it. I almost wish that they would have done more like um, more like a dill pickle chip because he's you know it's he's a he's a new york rapper like he would have eaten like bodega sandwiches and chips from from over there i don't know i feel like barbecue sauce is more like a southern thing for me but these are as a chip i'm also arguing of the lore of this chip and (laughs) flavor wise it's absolutely delicious big flavor True. Now we're going to try Lil Boosie's Louisiana Heat Wavy Potato Chips. Uh, now, which is... Jake got into these and said they were super hot, and he thinks that I won't like them. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So full but disclosure. He loves them. <laughs> I have had Lil Boosie's chips many times, and they are my. They are one of my favorite. Okay. I just drank it. I, just I love drank these. it out of the bag. It's a little hotter than I normally like to go, but one of the things that I really appreciate about wrap snacks is even when they've got really hot flavors it's still flavor it's not just heat yes oh, yeah. 
Yes, it's very, it's a very rich, you can taste that this is like Louisiana though. Much like Lil Boosie's music, you're like, damn, that's some straight fire, but also there's some substance there and I appreciate it for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do we want to do the honey jalapeno? Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I think Lil Boosie would appreciate that joke. <laughs> At us, Lil Boosie. I think you might get a little bit of your dill flavor here. Okay. These are the honey jalapeno uh the notorious big honey jalapeno oh i love that i don't Those know if i good. i don't know if i love it as much as fetty wops version but i love it i the do fetty love fetty wops version yeah i feel like it's not too spicy you're definitely getting true jalapeno flavor and not just heat with a little bit of sweetness the honey and the jalapeno really pair nicely and you mm -hmm. kind of have like i don't know it's just kind of it, it, it's a rounded flavor one of my critiques of a lot of mainstream chips is that there isn't a lot of flavor. Like, I feel like they're kind of bland. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I love about wrap snacks is that they're flavorful and there's enough flavor where I feel like I only need a few chips to have a good experience in terms of taste. Mm -hmm. it's, so I'm not eating like a whole bag, although I could, but I don't have to. And it's great. Yeah. No, I love their flavor profiles. So On good. the back of the little boozy bag, by the way, it says sometimes you need those bad days because it helps you truly appreciate the good ones. <laughs> and while that is a, a very nice quote, I'm doubting the relevance of putting it on a hot chip. There we go. That is John Kellogg. Yeah, take that Kellogg. <laughs> we just ended we told your life story and ended it by eating spicy flavorful stuff and then later i'm gonna go eat some meat and you know what i might fuck around and not take a shit all day just to just to <laughs> fuck you up dude so thanks again uh carrie ransom for these snacks um i really hope that is your or just a cool last name and not a a, a, a call for help. <laughs> <A> subtle plea <laughs> I was able to buy these wrap snacks, but I still can't escape. <laughs> I wrote this letter by cutting out the letters from wrap snacks packets. <laughs> um, thank you so much. And uh, this episode, just like every episode, uh, is brought to you by Vibrating Chair and Slapper Company. <laughs> Hey, do you, have you not had? Have you not taken five shits today? <laughs> then why don't you get on our shaky share as we literally slap the shit out of you? Um, I'm just trying to think of like, how fun would it be to have a vibrating chair and then just like rewatch all the seasons of the Tudors? <laughs> Paige, I don't think you'd be able to get out of that chair. I think it would be too slippery. <laughs> I like that. I think I'd have trouble walking. After <laughs> I like that in his lifetime, he's pretty much worked on every single flying device for witches. The slippery chair, the, the broom. broom. I'm pretty sure at one point he was doing shit with those big ass cups that we talked about earlier, too. <laughs> uh, but just like every episode, this one is actually sponsored by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donors. <laughs> So this one shout out says, hello from Chicago. I can't think of a clever name for a shout out. So you can just call me my gamer tag, the hurricane. It's like That's a great. It's like a hurricane, but made out of thick cut Italian chest and beard hair. <laughs> <laughs> Here for it. <laughs> Are you my father? 
They say Here I am. <laughs> rock me like a hurricane. Yes. Yes. They say maybe it's a spiritual successor to Skin Car or at least a fun <laughs> crossover event. Oh god. How many silver chains get caught in your chest hair daily? Oh. This is why Jake doesn't wear necklaces. <laughs> <laughs> Will Skin Car withstand the full might of the hurricane? Tune in to the CW this Wednesday. <laughs> For the crossover event of the quarantine, Skin Car Right 2. in between Arrow and The Flash is the <laughs> hurricane. Anyway, the shelter in place is getting to me. Love the podcast. Keep up the great work. Definitely a great way to start the week. Stay healthy and thank Jesus for the dome. Thank, thank Jesus you. Jesus for the dome. Thank you, Hurricane the Hurricane. <laughs> that was fantastic. Hurricane sounds like a dope wrestler name. Yeah, right? Oh, or a drag name. <laughs> mm, that would also be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Or a drag uh or a drag queen that can just fucking wrestle. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> just like walk the runway oh. and then slam you down at the end. They they did that on an episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. They only did it once, but Drag Queen Wrestling League, I am here for it. I would All love day, it. Every day. I would love to watch that equally yes. dramatic both groups yeah. of people um if you want to uh if you want to learn more about our patreon you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast for just five dollars a month you get access to our bonus show the speculation zone and there are a bunch of other really cool tiers with other rewards as well again the website is patreon.com slash cult podcast hey guys if you like really spicy hot sauce our friend Dave my friend Dave Yates sells hot sauce called ha ha hot sauce if you go to ha ha hot sauce.com you can get homemade hot sauce and it's really good on a scale from uh the original frosted flakes to uh let's say let's give it a little scale uh, uh the little boosy hot chips what what would you think what, what do you think it, what's the Scoville level? I mean, yeah, what's the Scoville they're level? spicier than hot chips. Uh-huh. Okay, spicier okay. than hot chips. Are they spicier than, like, uh, Sofia Vergara? Nothing is. That's, mm, nothing mm-mm. truly is. Nothing truly is. She has is. a Scoville That's- level of two million. <laughs> <laughs> That's why she gets to be with Joe Manganiello, and mm-hmm. we should all respect them and their beautiful relationship and his Dungeons & Dragons dungeon that mm-hmm. he has in his house. <laughs> That's real? It is very real. Yeah. Oh, There's my videos. God. I want this. Okay. Yeah. Like, honestly, the last couple of weeks for me have just been a reel of, like, watching him play Dungeons and Dragons in his dungeon and watching Henry Cavill build computers. It's just, <laughs> like, hot guys doing nerd shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and you know what he has in that basement? A bottle of ha-ha hot sauce that cannot be proven. Please don't sue me. Uh, anyone <laughs> Roll 20 for initiative. <laughs> <laughs> And you can go to, uh, what was that website again? HaHaHotSauce.com. That's H-A-H-A HotSauce.com. And I think for this one, I'm going to say if you have a, if you have any uh, gripes about new cereal mascots that aren't the same as the old ones, like Cookie Crisp changes mascots every two minutes, by the way. I don't know if you guys knew this or not. Well, it's because it's of criminals. It's not robbers anymore? It, it's a wolf now. Uh, it used what? to be a burglar. Oh, the cookie crisp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a wolf now. Used to be a burglar. Used to be a wizard. And then prior to that was something else I know as well. Um, hmm. 
But if you if you remember a serial mascot and you're mad about what they got replaced with, send it over. You know, let me know. I want to hear about your favorite serial mascot and why. Also, it's a big important part. Cookie Crisp is ass. Don't at me. Anyway, uh, if you want to at me, you can do so on Instagram and Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff. That's M A N D O Does Stuff. If you want to send me what your treatment for masturbation would be <laughs> please send that to me on all the things at sundress comic or check out my art at andre gazette on instagram or at andre it sounds like you're asking them to jerk off to your art <laughs> you're like <laughs> hey here's the thing I mean, if you want my art to cure your masturbation which it will because <laughs> it is sexless uh <laughs> That's not true. My art's very sexy. <laughs> I feel like he missed the boat on curing masturbation because he's got the vibrating chair right there. Like, right? Yeah. Hand, hand in your stuff. Like, yeah. the, that's right there. Also, uh, I forgot to mention it, but I do want to remind everyone uh, that Kellogg also made Pop-Tarts. Really? Huh. Mm. Or makes them currently. I Jesus. That's a sexy treat for an unsexy man. I mm-hmm. this is a small tangent, but one of the first things that Paige Wesley and I ever did together, or maybe it was oh. after a little bit that we had known each other, but we yeah we, we'd been it'd been a while we yeah. yeah one thing that Paige and I have done in the past is we went onto this person's uh like video like vlog or whatever and we tried every single flavor of pop tarts. And I, I'm very anti-food waste, which they were trying to avoid by like, you know, only opening what we were going to eat and trying to split it. But I was like, I'm going to eat every Pop-Tart that we do. And there's nothing that's ever made me feel like I could never shit again than <laughs> eating every I flavor of Pop-Tart. so, so sick after yeah. that. Yeah. Like that was, the, there were 39 flavors of Pop-Tart. Yeah. What? 39. Yeah, and here's the yes. thing. I'm not saying, like, don't eat Pop-Tarts, you'll never shit again. I'm saying don't eat 39 whole Pop-Tarts. You will never shit again. That's still less children than Kellogg had. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so um, if you want to send me recommendations for historical fiction on Netflix that I should watch while sitting on a vibrating chair, <laughs> you can send those to at Paige Wesley on Twitter or at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. And yeah, I love you. Bye. Yeah. And if you <laughs> like our show, you can follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also follow us at OnlyFans uh, at <laughs> Henry Cavill doing stuff. Uh, <laughs> Slash Tony the it's Tiger. It's just on his straight up Instagram. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can also send us an email to coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us graham crackers, more wrap snacks, if you're some sort of chip mogul and you want us to design flavors, add us. Yeah. You can send all that stuff to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the, the shining. shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. Oh my God, if you, it is our destiny to design a cereal, right? Like we have oh, to do that. Oh my God, yes. Okay, yes. if you were, real quick, should we do an if you were a cereal, what's like, what kind of cereal would you be? Oh my oh, God, yes. yes. Okay, you start. Oh God, okay. okay, if I was a cereal, I would be some type of bite cotton candy or 
possibly, oh, no, you know what it would be? It would be an apple pie flavored cereal. So you eat it and it has like the crumbly of like an apple crumble, but it's cereal. It exists. What? This apple- exists? I found this last night when I was looking at Kellogg stuff. Apple Jacks caramel. Okay. So it's I'm basically interested. like a caramely cinnamony Apple Jack. Oh, I'm going to look into it. But mm-hmm. to make it more Wisconsin, I would also add chunks of cheddar. Oh. <laughs> So you just have curdled just, just milk? Let the milk sit out. Yeah. Oh, I won't do Jesus that to you. Jesus Christ! I just thought it would be funny. <laughs> if I was oh, gonna man. be a cereal, I feel like I would have to do because a pretty big important thing for me is the blending of cultures. You know, I bring together mm-hmm, two different mm-hmm. sides. So I think that I would have from the German side some kind of like crave cereal, right, where the filling of the cereal itself uh, has chocolate, right. Um, but because I'm also Mexican, the outside of that would just be Takis. So it would basically <laughs> just be Takis filled with chocolate. And then you put a bunch of milk in there and you vomit <laughs> and you feel bad. Oh, also, and they're called Armand O's. <laughs> you know when they do the like when the street vendor fruit with the spicy stuff? Yeah, on yeah, it? yeah. With, I like, want Chamoy? that as a cereal. Oh, shit. You're that right, dude. That would be dude. hella good. Like if, mango? Yeah. Paige, if you were going to be a cereal, what would you be? What would you be? See, this is tough because I feel like the answer should be some sort of savory cheese cereal. Mm-hmm. But I don't <laughs> I don't think that would go well. I mean, like I'm trying to think of like what would like a savory cheese flavored Captain Crunch be? Like a corn base, almost like a cheesy cornbread cereal. Okay. Honestly, with like a honey glaze, jalapeno cornbread flavor cereal. I don't know if I'm mad about it. I feel like it. the spicy might be a m- bit much, maybe. Okay. Yeah, okay. I feel like you're okay. heading into Armand O's territory I'm here. I'm so sorry. And uh, yes. back the fuck up, dude. You're the only spicy one on this podcast. Thank I you. Guess. If, you so take, if you take like a corn-based cereal and added cheese flavor to it, but still like coated it with like, you know how cereal has kind of like a honey coating on it? Yeah. Sometimes like that. I feel like wouldn't be so bad. It would taste kind of like cornbread, I think. Okay. But also Fruit Loops for life, Apple Jacks forever, you know. Hell yeah. Here's what I'm going to tell you, though. Uh, Both of you guys are wrong. So first of all, (laughs) Andrea would basically just be a a, a cereal called Unicorn Dust, and it would basically be Fruity Pebbles with unicorn uh, marshmallows in it. Oh, yes. Except all of the all of the fruity pebbles are hot pink and the marshmallows are blue and white unicorns. And it would make you shit glitter. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> yes. you there there is that edible glitter. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Very sparkly. <laughs> um I like this. And then uh secondly, Paige is wrong because uh her her <laughs> cereal would basically just be uh different cereal pieces in the shape of Henry Cavill's body parts. <laughs> um just flavored would... like a proper English breakfast. Yes, yes. And it would be called What a Snack. <laughs> Wait, what With are two mine? K's. Are mine just called Oh No's? <laughs> Oh, they oh, weren't, but they gross. are. They they weren't, but they are now. Holy yours, shit! Yours would have to be like edible cereal. Yeah, like pot infused yeah. cereal. Yeah, that which I'm sure exists. Delicious. Oh, it has to. Yeah, it's <laughs> just sugar jacks. weed. <laughs> 
Devil Jacks. Devil Jacks. I love it. And this time, the mascot is a joint. Follow your nose for the taste that's dank as fuck, dude. <laughs> that's Fruit Loops. Come on, fool, get high as shit. Um, yeah, if you if you work in cereal, if you work for big cereal. I actually have a friend whose dad does. Tell them to. Can we make flavors? Oh, my yeah, God. She might be retired at this point. I'll there, talk to her. There has to be somebody who could allow us to make, like, samples. And then we can basically, like, a small limited run, single batch, uh, like, sample size of, of three different cereals. And we'd put them together like a sample pack that they have in the stores, you know, with the little thing. I feel like we could turn this into reality. We would have to get a license for the weed. Oh, no, I wouldn't have. We couldn't actually put weed in okay, it. Okay, okay. Well, I'm just thinking if we can have flavors, even just one batch that we could try on the show yes, would be amazing. Yes, If you can help us do this, uh, hit us up and, and we'll let's come on. Let's make this a reality. Show at gmail.com. Uh, email us. Yes. And I think for this one, I'm going to say don't drink too much before getting on the shaky chair. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) And don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye.